Hey, we want to welcome everybody to another episode of You and the Law podcast show, one of the hottest podcast shows you can tune in and listen to live every Thursday right here, streaming live on Facebook Live. I am one of the co-hosts of the show, Virgil Green, and below me is the dude who goes by the name of Chief Swaggy One, the Beast. Beast. What's up, Beast? Hey, man, I'm not next. I'm not below you. I'm next to you, bro. Well, you know, I I always say you're next to me. Yeah. We just, need, uh, we just need seven more squares, man. We could be Hollywood squares, man. Or we could be the Brady Bunch. Hey, man, you know what? If we if we got if we got some guests on, man, we could have we could we could do this yeah, do we, the Hollywood we Square thing. Out. We could pull that out, but we could be the Brady Bunch. Hey, you know what? I know you can pull it out because you, would, you, you would got be what what do you have? What do you have, man? What do you have? What do you mean? I got swag, man. See, see, you got the swag, so you can pull that off. I got them swaggy beasts, man. Swaggy beast. Yeah. Well, everybody out there who's tuned in, you have listened to this man call himself the swaggy beast. I mean, dude, (laughs) I mean, what's up? I mean, and? Hey, man, we've got another great podcast topic to talk about uh, tonight. As we take a look back at a, uh, a case, an incident that happened, Keith, and to our listeners uh, back in 2019, I don't know how many people remember this well before George Floyd, uh, the death of Elijah McLean out of Aurora, Colorado. So tonight's topic we're going to be talking about is the life and death of Elijah McLean. And um, we've got a, a video that we're going to show to give a little background on Elijah McClain. For those who may have forgotten about uh, who this young 23-year-old uh, black male was and uh, what happened to him uh, one night as he was walking home from the store, Keith. And so, you know, man, this is... Uh, you know, Keith, there's so many pieces to this that uh, that happened that it really it upsets you, it angers you. Uh, for both of us being in law enforcement, and this is just one of those topics that when you speak out against how police officers treat young black men and women. It just raises a lot of concerns on, on some things that we've talked about so many times is that uh, how, when will things change, Keith? And these officers and paramedics that were involved in this young man's death are just now uh, going to trial on the charges that the grand jury handed down. And some people will probably say, well, why is it taking since 2019, this happened well before George Floyd. You got the officers in George Floyd case who were, you know, went to trial, convicted, uh, state court and federal court. But this has taken much longer, Keith. Um, just a lot of uh, unanswered questions. And, you know, we hope that those who are tuning in will join in on the conversation in the chat room and 
share with us your thoughts and your concerns and just ask some questions and hopefully we'll be able to answer those. Yeah, I think what what I'm what I'm finding out and hearing is that uh, because there had been that discussion whether or not there was a criminal uh, content to this, uh, was it a intentional um, content to his death? And I believe that that may have been what took the case so long to be uh, to come to court. Which, you know, man, I, I tell you, it's. The, the thing that we've got to stop doing in, in, as law enforcement, we, we have to stop automatically thinking when someone tells us they're not feeling well or someone tells us they have a medical or someone who's being detained legally or someone who's being who's been arrested or that we come in contact with uh, when they tell us that they are not feeling well. They have some type of uh, medical condition. We have to stop. Uh, jump into conclusions so quickly that nothing is wrong with them. They're trying to uh, get out of the ticket or they're trying to get out of the arrest or, or, you know, things like that. So I think in this situation, it, it comes down to if they would have just taken the time to, to talk or believe this young man, um, then I think, because really and truly, when you think about it, Virgil, um, I don't think what I've, from what I've seen and know of this case I don't really know if there was a reason to detain this young man. It was basically he's walking, he's got a hoodie, um, believe someone called. And even if someone call, didn't call, if they saw this young man, what did he done wrong? Uh, it, we go back to the fact that there's a cloak, does the clothing that you wear define, um, or lead to the belief or the perception from law enforcement that you committed a crime? Well, Keith, you know, this all started uh, over a concerned citizen calling 911 saying that he, you know, this young man looked at suspicious because he had on some type of a hoodie or some type of a ski mask, some type of a mask or a hoodie mm-hmm. or something. And the dispatcher asked, you know, as they should, you know, this, the normal questions. And uh, within minutes of, of that call, being dispatched, the first officer arrives and makes contact with him. But Keith, I want well, to Roger, let me let me say let me say this real quick uh, before we go to the video. And I want to say it before I forget this. So he's got a mask on. He's got his cold. He's got a mask on. Um, this is again. This is in uh, in Aurora, Colorado. I understand that. I understand yeah. that. And it was during the time that it was that people were. Um, warm clothing. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, we were told different throughout the nation when the when the COVID epidemic, uh, when the pandemic was going on, uh, we were told that <clears throat> we could not um, well, Keith, remind this was in, in one I, I know, but I'm saying yeah, but I'm okay. saying is that we were told that it's a person's right to wear a mask mm-hmm. regarding the pandemic. Well, is it not a person's right to wear a mask in the in the uh, in the winter. So I'm just yeah. I'm just saying. I just wanted to kind of kind of just kind of preface that before we go into the video. That yeah um, yeah. So what can you wear? I mean, if it's if it's cold, you know, summertime, a hundred and some degrees, get it. Mm-hmm. Wintertime, different, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally agree with you, Keith. Well, Keith, you know, uh, to the listeners, this video was set up tonight's topic as we talk about the life and death 
of Elijah McClain. It's a uh, it's about a four five minute almost maybe a six minute video, and I think it's very well worth watching and listening to this here. If you are uh, watching the streaming live on Facebook Live, you can see this video. If you're listening in some other form, uh, it, it's a very powerful uh, clip that shows from the from the body uh, cam of the officers. Uh, what took place with this here. And one of the most disturbing things, Keith, is that at the end of this, at the, toward the end of the, this uh, incident, the paramedics injected him on scene with ketamine. I had never heard of ketamine before until this incident happened and looked it up. And it's a very powerful drug that is used primarily inside of a... Uh, of a hospital or a mm -hmm, medical mm -hmm. of a controlled environment. And this was not a controlled environment that these paramedics used uh, this ketamine on this 23 year old uh, uh, Elijah McClain. So, so Keith, we're going to um, show this video uh, clip. Okay. And uh, once we uh, come on the other side, we, we will get into discussing uh, the life and death of Elijah McClain. It's August 24, 2019 in Aurora, Colorado. A security camera picks up 23-year-old Elijah McLean at this Shell gas station buying soft drinks and wearing a face mask. His family lawyer told NBC News he was in the habit of wearing this mask. After paying for his items, he turns around and bows to the man behind him in line. His family told NBC News this was his signature gratitude bow. At 10.30 p.m., a man calls 911. Okay. Were any weapons involved or mentioned? No. Okay. What color is the mask or what does it look like? Black. Black mask? It's like a... Is it like a ski mask or what type of mask is it? Yeah, like a ski mask. Elijah McLean is walking home from a nearby Shell gas station He's holding a plastic bag with his purchases. At 10.43 p.m., Aurora police officer Nathan Woodyard spots McLean. Your favor, stop right there. Hey, stop right there. Stop. 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 I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. Nine seconds after exiting his vehicle, the officer initiates physical contact. 10.44 p.m., Officer Jason Rosenblatt and Officer Randy Rodema are now also on the scene and surround McLean. No, I am an introvert. Please respect the boundaries that I am speaking. Stop tensing up. Stop. Relax. I'm going home. Relax or I'm going to have to change this situation. Stop. Leave me alone. Sir, can you please No, can you leave me alone? No, we're going to talk to you. You guys started to arrest me and I was stopping my music to listen. The situation escalates when the officers try to move McLean onto the grass. Officer Woodyard's body cam is knocked to the ground. Officer Rodema says this. It's unclear from the body cameras whether or not McLean reached for an officer's weapon. All three officers wrestle McLean to the ground. Give us more. Give us some more units. We're fighting them. 
At this moment, one of the officers uses a carotid control hold on McLean, a tactic that involves an officer placing his arm around a subject's neck, applying pressure, and restricting blood to the brain via the carotid arteries. Responding officers later told an Aurora police investigator that McLean briefly went unconscious and the officers released the hold. At 10.46 p.m., just over two minutes after the first officer made contact with him, McLean is pinned to the ground and says this. He come out? He's out? He, was he out? He, I heard some no. snoring. I just he didn't, he wasn't completely. He didn't, he didn't lose consciousness. Yeah. I'm just different. He tried I'm to just different. My gun. He That's all I was doing. It was actually Rosenblatt. I'm so he sorry. For your gun, dude. I have no that's gun. Where I, that's where I tried for it. I don't do out. that stuff. I don't do any Two fighting. Two other units that are not here. Why? They can slow it down a little me? bit. I don't move the huggins. I don't eat a kill flies. I don't eat meat. I Do we have anything other than him being suspicious? No. No. I mean, I tried Where to stop him and start walking away. Yeah, cruiser 26, we need to slow everybody down. Responding officers later tell an investigator that McLean was actively resisting and fighting the officers' attempts to place him into handcuffs. I tried. We started it because he reached for Rosie's gun. And we had him on the wall. At 10.49 p.m., McLean throws up a first time. Stop. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I wasn't trying to do that. I, just, I, think, I can't breathe correctly because... Over the next four minutes, McLean gets sick a few more times. Officers are also heard multiple times asking him to stop fighting. Are you able to? Legs locking up. There you go. Just like that. Keep. You're good. Don't Stay get right up, there. dude. It's not going to be good for you. I'm telling you right now. If you keep messing around, we'll put, I'm bring my dog out. He's going to dog bite you. Understand me? At 10:54 p.m., McLean is still on the ground, and an officer says this. So when the ambulance gets here, we're going to go ahead and give him some ketamine. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. 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 Let's give that a couple of minutes, and then we'll put him on. Whatever he's okay. on, right. yeah. he has incredible strength. Yeah, crazy strength. 10.59 p.m., a fire medic administers 500 milligrams of ketamine to McLean in an attempt to sedate him. Two to three minutes later, he is loaded onto an ambulance. And at 11.07 p.m., just over 20 minutes after the first officer made contact, responding officers are told McLean does not have a pulse. He just cored. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. So... McLean was resuscitated at the scene and taken to the hospital where he would be declared brain dead three days later. The coroner concluded last November that a combination of physical exertion and a narrow left coronary artery contributed to McLean's death, but could not determine the cause of his death. He added that it could have been either an accidental death caused by a reaction to the ketamine, a natural death, or a death linked to the carotid control hold used by officers. The district attorney later announced he would not charge the officers involved, saying that the evidence does not support a conclusion that McLean's death was the direct result of any particular action or individual. The family told NBC News that they believed an independent investigation should have been conducted initially. Now the governor has appointed a special prosecutor to reopen the investigation. We've reached out to the police union for comment and have not heard back.
Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. You know, Keith, uh, th that video clip uh, was well worth watching the whole, what, six minutes of it, because it, it, it uh, captures what this young man went through. And, you, you know, to hear him, you know, try to explain to the officers what type of person he was, and for these officers to dismiss that, and then for the officers to be told that he coded and that, you know, they already knew what it what that meant. And the fact that they acted so uh, there was no regard for life. And, and Keith, you know, if people thought what, what we saw with George Floyd was, was bad, I think this here was even much more gross because the fact that they injected him with this ketamine and the fact that they felt, oh, his powers, we were so strong, so they had to give him something because they felt he was on some drugs. I, You know, I don't keep, I'm going to let yeah. you jump in and say some stuff. I know we got some people on listening and yeah. uh, please put your comments yeah. in the chat room, but very, very disturbing. So, so Virgil, I want to clarify some things. I had said this was in December, but it was in August, which doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it I doesn't can, matter which time of the I, year. Yeah, I can see that being a little bit of a, uh, you know, somebody seeing that and not thinking that's normal, but people can wear what they want to wear. And so we have to be really careful of judging people by what they well, have on, even at the time of day. But let, let me say this, man. Elijah did everything right. Uh, Elijah immediately, um, he was not dismissive to the officers. He was not disrespectful. He's telling them why he's wearing a mask. He's telling them where he's going. He's telling them, he's saying that I'm different. Um now, what does that mean? But he's in so many words, he's telling them, listen, I don't like to be touched. I don't like big crap. I mean, he's trying to explain to them the things that we tell individuals that may have some type of uh, condition or, you know, and this is not I'm not saying this is not a mental condition, but medical, uh, mental, um, any type of condition that someone may have. And we tell people to. I tell the officer that so that they know the history of what they're, you know, of what, you know, you are going through when they encounter you. He did everything. Uh, it came down to the fact of um, they did not like it appears they did not like his answers or they thought that he was attempting to uh, be dismissive or attempting to get out of the, the, you know, being detained. I said that er this earlier, we've got to stop thinking that everyone who tells us they have a medical issue, we, I've, I've, in 30 some years of law enforcement, have I encountered, and I know you have, have we encountered individuals who will say, I'm not feeling well, but, this, but we don't have the right, we're not doctors. So we Correct. don't have the right to say, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, we have to start treating people, especially people that we have detained when they say they don't feel good, especially when, you have other officers present. It's not going to take 
that long to have someone come and check that person out. We've got to stop doing that. I mean, we've got to start doing that even more. Now, we we know that based on some things that have happened out throughout the years, policies and police departments have now mandated that uh, medical attention is immediately rendered um, when, you know, also involved shooting or a situation like that. But we, we got to stop doing that. And, you know, this the sad part about it. He's saying I'm different. I don't eat meat. I'm not violent. Um, I'm not any of that. I just want to go home. That's the sad. That's, that's what's sad about it. He just wanted to go home. Uh, he had a blood condition. He's trying to tell them. He's trying to do everything we tell people to do. No one listened. The ketamine, you know, 500 milligrams of ketamine. If that's, if I make no mistake, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, basically, the normal uh, dosage for someone his size was 320 to 350 milligrams. So he had way over the amount that could cause some type of deadly reaction. So now you've done the you've done the lateral vascular neck restraint. You've got another ketamine. Then you're telling this man that you're going to stick the dog on him. Yeah. And so it, it's as though it comes down to the somewhat of a dehumanization yeah. um, of, of someone or not taking someone serious. And that's what get people in trouble. So then you come back around and you say the district attorney says there's nothing criminal here. Well, when you, <laughs> when you look at this, um, there were so many different things that can be done. And I'm going to say this and I don't want, cause this is, I'm very passionate about this, about this stuff. Cause I experienced a situation like this in Norman, if you remember yeah. where we had a, a gentleman who was in medical distress and officers did not take him seriously. Yeah. And, and it took place at Norman regional hospital. Yeah. It took place at the hospital. Yeah. They're not taking him seriously. So I'm very passionate about this. Um, we don't. Yes, we do not have the right to tell people that they are not ill. They're they're just playing. We we've got to stop doing that. And I, I don't mean to sound repetitive, but I, I I've preached that when someone tells you they don't feel well, when someone tells you they have to use the restroom, you don't know what someone's you know medical condition. Now, do I believe that these officers sit out? on that day to take Elijah McClain's life? Absolutely not. I don't, I don't believe that they were looking to take his life. Uh, I, I believe that they were reckless and careless uh, in their actions. And, and now we have a 20 who would now be 26 years old, who's now deceased. And, and the part about it is his mother moved them to Aurora because Aurora for safety as far as wanted to get her kids away from gang activity, violence. Yeah. So can you just imagine what the mom, you know, what the mom, the guilt that the mom feels when she has no reason to be guilty, to feel guilty. But can you just imagine as a parent that, you know, I, 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 I can't, um, but anyway, that's my, that's my, you know, two cents worth right now. Until we, you know, later on. Hey Keith, I want to get to uh, some comments in the chat room. Uh, one of the comments we have is that uh, the question is, are there protocols for a law enforcement officer to request a drug without having any medical background? No. 
Uh, you, that you know, I, know I would of. say that uh, there should be protocols and there should never. And I'm going to go as far as saying this, Keith. We, you and I both are pretty well knowledgeable about uh, police department policies. If there was a such of a policy that had language in there that gave officers any authority to request or to give authorization to any medical personnel to use such a drug in the field, that policy would, would it wouldn't exist with the agency that I would be over. Well, I think, uh, I think I, there is there is absolutely no no reason for well, and I'm gonna say this: unless there is you, now we have what is it uh, when a person is is um, Narcan? Uh, what is the the, uh, the Narcan? Uh, Narcan? Narcan? Yeah. Narcan? Narcan is, is totally different. But that's totally different. We're we're talking about administering a shot. We're talking about we're talking a person being injected drugs. with a shot. We're talking about administering drugs. Uh, no police officer. I, I think even if I had police officers who were EMTs and paramedics, uh, I would feel very uncomfortable with them administering. Number one, why are you carrying uh, this this um, you know this drug uh, in the duties of of, of being a, a police officer? But I would be very concerned if someone on on the uh, police department would be administering some type of drug. Narcan is totally different. Narcan is for resuscitation purposes. Uh, when you know someone has overdosed, yeah. uh, this drug was like a tranquilizer. Uh, it's, it's, it's used in different, many medical uh, ways. Yeah. But, well, you know, you know, you know Keith, the only, well, Virgil, let me say this to, to, to Tony, Tony, the only thing that I know that's in policies right now is for first aid to be administered. And that's normally CPR, tourniquets. Uh, those are the type of things. Uh, once now, you are requested also to notify medical personnel, which is which are paramedics, and and you know now at that point they make that decision. But as law enforcement, we don't have that authority to make that decision. That's a big law. That's probably one of the that could be one of the biggest lawsuits that that exists. Well, Keith, you, you know, one of the concerns that I have with this is that fact that the district attorney there in Aurora, Colorado, didn't find any probable cause uh, to hold these officers accountable for the death of Elijah McLean. And it took the governor of Colorado to, uh, I guess, ask for a grand jury or ask for the uh, attorney general's office to intervene and get involved with this case. Right. So, you know, Keith, once again, the uh, the power that our uh, law enforcement officials have, uh, they are very dismissive of situations like this here. Not and all. And the fact that Keith, Not all. I, you know, even just with the Not use all. of the, of the drug, right. ketamine, that right there should have, that district attorney, and I'm not no district attorney, but I'm just saying, Keith, you should have asked why was this drug used and to find out how this drug, uh, how when it was administered, how it impacted this man's uh, uh, body because three days later he died. Right. But within a very few 
minutes of them injecting into his body, his heart stopped. Bro. Well, number one, it was an excessive amount. Uh, number two, I can only speculate because I've, I've talked to, I've, I've dealt with prosecuting attorneys in the past who believe that whenever there's a resistance from someone uh, during an arrest, then there's a justification for certain amounts of force. No, 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 no. I know no, you're no, saying no, no. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not, not agreeing. Yeah. He, he, his condition, his, what he was saying that he uh, suffered from or that he uh, had been diagnosed with, um, he, that should have been, okay, let's back off. Let's, let's see if we can call mom and dad, or let's, let's see if we can find out a little bit more. The, the other thing, Virgil, is why do we have such a difficult time letting people just go? You know, sometimes like we've yeah, said this yeah. before, there are just sometimes, man, we don't have enough. Um, is it is it kind of does it look does it look kind of strange or, uh, or suspicious when you have someone in August wearing a coat, a man? Absolutely. It does. Don't have a problem with the gentleman calling. Don't have a problem. I get it. Hold on, Virgil. He okay. even said that the man, uh, the young man didn't look violent. He didn't have a weapon. I think he was, you know, I think that we have gotten to a point where we have people who think, you know, we've always told people, and, and, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, we, but we have told citizens that when they see something suspicious, call. So this gentleman was doing whatever reason he called. He was doing what millions of police officers and thousands of police officers have told citizens. If you see some something suspicious, give a give a call. Did that. But once you find out this gentleman, this, you know, Elijah's saying, hey, man, I, you know, I, 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 I get cold. I've got this. I've got that. I think at some point the 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 um, detention should have been should have ended. And or if you're going to continue to detain him. See if you can verify what he's telling you. Uh, but it's not against the law to wear a mask. I don't care if it's 120 degrees outside. What he had on is not a violation of law. It might be, it might heighten suspicion, but it's not a violation of the law. Well, you know, Keith, and I think one of the, the uh, we have a comment in the chat that, that says, and we have to stop assuming that 911 callers are telling us are telling us absolute facts. Absolute facts. Um, and, and, you know, Keith, again, you know, you've mentioned this incident took place in August, the type of clothing that he was wearing. Uh, he was inside of the store and uh, he never, uh, you know, the, the store clerk wasn't alarmed. And apparently right. this is a store that this young man has, has been into uh, a lot because it wasn't too far from his home. Right, and so right. uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go. We just got a question in the chat that says, what was suspicious? He was walking home. And I think, Tony, one of the things that I was trying to comment on is the fact that there has been so many people who called in about a suspicious black person walking. And officers are very quick to 
respond to these calls and there is there's already a very heightened sense of things are escalating instead of trying to de-escalate. And it when he told them, hey, listen, I'm walking home. I haven't done anything. Instead of them saying, okay, well, hey, you, you have a good night. Do you need a ride home? None of those things took place. And officers feel like that's not a part of their job, that they don't have to ask if they're telling you to do something, you need to do it and don't ask any questions. And they escalated that situation to to uh, that led to the death of uh, of Elijah McClain. And Keith, I'm gonna say this, man. I you know we've had so many podcasts uh, shows about incidents like this here. You may not agree with me. Those who are listening may not agree with me, but brother, brother, I don't think those officers gave a damn about that young man's life. That they, no, I can't. I can't say that. I, well, I, I, I know you can, but I, I'm going to say it. I don't think they gave a damn about that young man's life because no. when those paramedics told them, he his heart stopped. They just looked at each other and was kind of like, hmm, "Okay, they got to go home, Keith. They got they to go home." And live the rest of their life. But they this did. young man who went to the store to get some tea could not walk back home without having an encounter with the police. Well, Bert, let me let me say this. Um, we don't know. We don't know what they we, all we can go by is their actions. We don't know their hearts. OK, so let me just say that. Uh, I, I don't I don't think it's fair to say they did not care about this young man. I can't I can because I don't think they intentionally did tried to set out to kill him. What I do think that their actions were reckless and their actions were um, careless in the fact that they did not do enough or they did too much. So, you know, Pam asked, what did he do wrong? Um, he paid for the things, left the store without incident. Well, keep in mind, the store owner didn't call. This no. was a this was a citizen. A that citizen. The store yeah. owner was yeah. The store owner was used to him being in there, and had no problem. Matter of fact, the store owner had nothing but high praise for Elijah. But basically, it was someone saying that we had a young man walking through the neighborhood with a coat and a mask on, basically in August, which is still the summer months. I mean, we you know, which is still even in Denver, it's still warm. Um, and then no, he didn't steal anything. So I think. There was not a there was no probable cause for a stop. There may have been reasonable suspicion just to see, okay, a welfare check. But I think once they determined that this young man had not done anything wrong, you you can't just we've got to learn after a certain amount of time, we just may not have anything. We might not have anything. Let him go. It, it goes back to that call in. Plano, where it was in December, which was a polar opposite. In Plano, it was December. You had a young man walking with a T-shirt and some jeans uh, from his job at one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Okay. I get it. You stop. You check on him. Hey, are you okay? Do you need a ride? No, I'm okay. I'm walking. Then let him go. Yeah. Let him go. But we we have gotten to the point where we have placed so much effort so much on liability, I believe that you have. Keith, I don't, Keith, I don't even think it's liability, brother. 
I think we, I think we, well, listen to what I'm, let me, let me finish what I'm saying. We have put so much in, in, in law enforcement, we have put so much on liability. I think you, we have, we have trained these officers not to take chances and say, cause they, cause they're worried about what if he, what if he had robbed somewhere? I, I'm just saying, this is, I'm telling you yeah. what I'm hearing officers say when I've taught classes and I've gone to different briefings and stuff like that. What if he had just robbed someone? We let him get away. Okay. How how would you you didn't know he had robbed something until later? Well, yeah, 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 Keith, and I, yeah. And I hear you on that. And I just think that is the culture of policing. We it have is. police officers who look at things through the lens that they look at through their lens and not looking at it as a lens. Take yourself out of that lens of being a police officer. That every police officer, and I'm not gonna say every. No, but the majority don't. of police officers no, 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 look no. at things through a lens, Keith, and they don't look at things on the outside of that lens. I, I don't. I don't think. I think. I think there's quite a few. I don't think there's a lot of them. If I were to put, I think you just have some people that don't know because I, I know there's officers out there that understand the, and it goes back to the emotional intelligence part of it. Virtually, it goes back to the humanization part of it. It goes back to uh, the 21st century policing. Um, concepts and procedural justice there are some officers me working working that day met that young man hey man what's going on man somebody called they were concerned about you out here and it said sir I, i've got a condition blah 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 okay listen go home take care of yourself what did i just do wrong because really and truly i don't think you had a right to ask that man for any id no you didn't I don't think you had a right to no. ask him because what's he doing wrong? That that's he's that's walking. The, he's that's walking. Down, he's he, walking. What was he doing wrong? Nothing. <laughs> what was he? Nothing. What, seriously, what was he doing wrong? And it comes back to people saying, "Well, that was suspicious." And and I get to the average person, but to a trained police officer, you talk to him, you get more information, which means, okay, man, have a good day. What's your name? Well, Elijah, Elijah, what? I'm not giving you my last name. Okay, where do you live, man? Live around the corner. Do you need a ride home? No, I don't. All right, Elijah, man, be careful, man. People see you with this mask and things on, man. They're thinking you're, you know, they're thinking that you that you're doing something wrong. I'm just letting you know. Have a good day. Now, what what would it hurt to do that? Nothing, nothing. Okay. And, and Keith, and, and this is the thing that that gets me. When we go back to training, training, training. And I'm have to say this, man. <clears throat> you've been around just as long as I have. Hey, you've been around a little longer because you're a little older. But I'm gonna have to say this. What did you just say? Just because you've received the training does not mean that you, you use. What did you say? <laughs> I said you're, you're a little older. You've been around a lot longer than <laughs> okay, I have. That's what I thought you okay. But what I'm gonna say, seriously, man, that just because you get the training don't mean you utilize the training. Absolutely. There's officers who will sit in a room and tell you, hey, he looked at suspicious. We were taught in training that somebody looks suspicious. We've got to do X, Y and Z. What's the suspicious? And the one thing that I tell officers is put yourself in that person's shoes. You're walking in that person's shoes and an officer stops you and asks you questions and say, hey, you're suspicious and you are a cop. But you don't tell that other cop that you're a cop. What do you think will happen? It's not going to turn out too good for neither 
neither one. But that word suspicious is going to always come up because we heard this in training. Can I can I say something? I've been in that situation. I've been in that situation of why are you wearing a, a hoodie? Uh, I've been in that situation where I uh, walked, uh, uh, knocked on the door. Uh, it was cold, and I had a I had a hoodie on, and knocked on the door uh, because the, the the door was malfunctioning at the police station, and you know, people are saying, "Well, you know, we thought you were <laughs> we thought you were a thug, one of the thugs off the street and stuff like that." And I'm like, "Excuse me, thugs off the street for what reason?" Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you had the hood, so. It, because I'm wearing a hoodie, I'm a thug. Could it be that I was somebody who was knocking on the door, maybe for assistance? You know, could it could it could it be that? Could you have even asked me, yes, sir, what's may I help you? And I would have said it's Chief Humphrey, but you come and you you push the thing and say, What do you want? You know, you know, yeah. are you are gonna actually you're gonna have to take your hood off? What? No, I'm not taking my hood off. So I've mm-hmm. been in that situation Virgil and I I say it again man we are we are in some situations man we are training um officers to be robots be robotic and and Mm. and follow certain rules as I've said before to the listeners and the viewers out there there's a force continuum we should never we really never want to get over go over the level of command presence, which means you're there. Okay. How many times have I been out on a scene, uh, stop someone late at night, hoodie. Okay. And Hey man, you're okay. Yeah. You know, everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just saw you coming from that alley, whatever. And have we detained him until we determine everything's okay. Yeah. A little bit different. But this is a young man that's telling you, hey, man, I've got, I'm not that person, blah, blah, blah. Let him go. How many people have you, do you think I've let go? Uh, the fact I just didn't have anything. And yeah. there's no was no reason for me to continue to dig. But I think what we do, Virgil, is, is we establish our success as law enforcement. Some of some of us establish our, our success based on the number of detentions, based on the number of arrests based on the number of citations, based on the amount of the numbers of use of force that we've used. Um, I think that's when I remember being in field training and uh, I'm not going to say what department, but I recall being in field training. I recall one of my, uh, one of the kids that was in the Academy right after me uh, told me that he was, uh, there was a, um, record for the number of arrests that a, a rookie made during field training. And he was trying to break that arrest, that record. Mm-hmm. I think back on that, when you have established those kind of games or goals or, or whatever, man, you, you putting, you putting people in trouble. I mean, you, 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 you're sitting, you're sitting people up for failure and then to buy into that. Uh, You know, you you hear people say, man, that as a as a young officer, there's so much peer pressure. Um, You know, you don't go against the system. You don't go against the grain. But let me say this, man. What happens to common sense? When does common sense kick in? You don't have to be a veteran 
to utilize common sense. When humility and, and, and human, uh, humanization is part, you don't have to be a veteran to do that. And so this is a situation where, man, they just emotions got in the way. Not only did emotions get in the way, it's the fact of the matter is he's utilizing force, which justifies us to amp it up. And then it gets to the point of now he's using an amount of force that we can't let him get away. So now this 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 administer have someone administer this now. It leads to the fact of, hey, he's not breathing. It's like, oh, well. So it it does come down to the fact of the emotional intelligence part of it. At what part does common sense kick in? At what point do we start saying in law enforcement, we just can't we just can't arrest everybody. We don't have enough to stop people. We don't have to stop everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, I want to remind those who are just now tuning into the podcast and those who have been on the podcast. Tonight's uh, topic is the life, the life and death of Elijah McClain, who was killed back in 2019 in Aurora, Colorado, as he walked home from going to the store to get some tea, uh, hadn't committed any crimes. He wasn't armed. He was, he was a different young man. He was uh, a different young man. And I will encourage uh, everyone who is listening to the podcast to Google Elijah McClain and just read about this young man uh, who was very humble, who, you know, again, he said he was an introvert. That right there should have, the officers should have just stopped and said, okay, uh, maybe ask the question, what, what do you mean? But again, Keith, I just go back to this whole thing that the officer's initial 30 seconds uh, was very uh, demanding. Stop right there. Uh, Not, hey, my name is Officer so-and-so. We got a call about somebody walking down the street. Are you okay? Great. And, uh, but uh, it escalated and it ended up in the uh, in the death of Elijah. And so, Keith, officers will try to justify and say, hey, he should have just stopped. People will say, well, he should have just stopped. Well, again, like the questions have been asked in the chat, why stop? You haven't done anything wrong. You're walking home from the store. And, well, that's and, another, and, that's Keith, another. and I'm going to ask you this question. So the caller who called this in, I wonder how that man felt. Or did he even know by his call that that call resulted in the death of this young man? I wonder if that man even knew that or knows that to this day. He knows knows that now. Um, I don't know if he knew that immediately. you know, and, and so, you know, it comes down to the point of, you know, what's what's his emotional intelligence, his emotional intelligence. Hey, man, man, maybe I did just if I wouldn't have called maybe or, well, hey, he shouldn't have been. I mean, so you got to look at that, too. Uh, we'll you know, we we will never you know, we'll never know. He, he's got a I'm, it, I'm, I'm sure all that will come out in the trial because I'm sure he's a, he's a key witness um, in the trial. 
uh, you know, because his call is the one that, that initiated the uh, the contact uh, with 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 Elijah. But you know, someone uh, one of the listeners uh, viewers asked, uh, "Are there? You mean there's there's rewards for certain numbers? There's no quotas by law. It's illegal to put quotas. Are there informal quotas and things that go on?" Amongst officers, absolutely. Are there things that go on that that supervisors don't know about? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's, are there it's ways, culture policing. It's just culture policing. Are there are there ways that people find out about it? Sometimes it's when it's when it's too late, or sometimes when someone stands up and says, "Hey, and you know they're doing this uh, over there. You know they're over in this area and they're trying to determine who can write more tickets." Uh, to, for someone to, you know, to purchase lunch or something like that, that happens. Uh, and, and, and that's why I tell, um, you know, I've said this a bunch of times, you, you have to manage by walking around. Uh, not only do you have to manage by walking around, you have to listen while you're managing by walking around. And yeah, that's why you have to have that relationship with your, with your officers, not just your supervisors with your officers. Because there are going to be some that are going to be so disturbed about what's going on. They're going to tell it. There's going to be those that think they're telling you something funny when and don't realize they're telling you something that's serious that's going to have to be investigated. So mm-hmm. you, you have to take that effort, make that effort to do that. But I'm telling you, there's no reason for this young man to be deceased. I, I truly believe that there is no reason for this young man to be deceased. I still say I don't think we I don't think there was anything intentional. I think it was very reckless and caring. I think it got so to Keith, the that's point what I was gonna ask. Gotta, yeah, go ahead. So I don't think they I don't think they meant to intentionally kill him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it, and this goes to one of the comments that's in the chat, uh, uh where the question is asked, it might not have been their intent to kill him, but they are so quick to escalate things from one to ten in the first 30 seconds to one minute. So, Keith, I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to ask those who are who are who are watching us uh, as we stream live on Facebook Live. When we say they probably didn't intend to kill him, there was no intent. At the very at what point do you realize the the force that you are using on a person? could result in the death of that person? And at what point does intent come into play? Because you could stop your actions that you were, the the amount of force that you are using Mm -hmm. to say, huh, if we don't stop this, this could result in the death. So I'm going to be a little critical and ask this question. Could intent came into play as this situation unfolded? Well, when you when you talk about intent, I, I I start thinking about getting up that morning, going out looking to do that. But we know yeah. that when we get to the level of force, up to the level of deadly force and the level right below, we know that any of those techniques, when administered, and we talk about that lateral vascular neck restraint, we talk about um, certain striking areas. Of the, of the body when you use a baton and things like that. But we know 
when we start applying those, uh, and in some departments, those those are on the same level as deadly force. You know, about some some departments have lateral vascular neck restraints on the level, the very top level of the uh, force continuum, and it being deadly force. Not everyone has that, but they're trained to, um, you know, officers are being trained or trained to administer the 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 technique until the threat stops. So you know when you administer that technique. Mm-hmm. That, that it could lead to deadly force. Yeah. You you know that. Um, yeah. um, the, the time I've applied it, uh, and it was a violent situation, the time I applied it, you know that it could lead to that because at that point, that's a last resort. That lateral vascular neck restraint is a last resort, just like the use of a, of a, of a, of a firearm. It, it, and like I say, there are some departments that have it on the third from the top. Some have it from the second top. Some have it first from the top as a deadly force technique. But you know when you apply that because now what you're doing is you are restricting blood flow in air. Mm-hmm. And so there is a possibility that it is going to result in some serious injury. That's why well, serious injury leading they, up to death, you, yeah. Well, and that's why they say when you administer that, that's why you have to immediately request medical attention. You can't administer that technique without requesting medical attention. I guarantee you that's in 95% of the policies throughout the nation. That's just like tasers. When you administer a taser, you have to have those probes removed by medical personnel. So, you know, that, that, that lateral vascular neck restraint, when it's taught, it's taught. To be a, to effectively put it, you have to incapacitate someone. We we know that when we we train. You've heard it. There's not a police officer in the nation that has not heard that that you deploy that technique to stop the threat and stop the resistance, the aggressive resistance, and it could lead to up to the death of that individual. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Keith, we're coming up on the last few uh, minutes of the podcast show, man, and we definitely want to thank everybody for tuning in and uh, being so engaged in this this uh, topic tonight as we talk about the life and death of Elijah McClain. But one of the questions that's in the chat that I want to get to, uh, they, they're asking us this question. The question is, I think I've asked this question before, but I have to ask again. If officers are trained that the most dangerous man they will ever encounter is a white male uh, between the ages of 18 to 45, why are black men automatically murdered? Well, I don't I don't think black men are automatically murdered. I, I get the question and, and I understand what you're saying, but I, I do say that there are whites that have been have been killed at the hands of police. I think the I think the concern is that it appears to be over and over and over again, uh, multiple um, times. You're seeing George Floyd, Elijah, Sandra Bland. Um, you're seeing um, Mr. Castile. You're seeing these individuals where these uh, techniques of the firearms are being used. So I think that. Um, that it, I think that's where it comes. That's where the concern comes in. Um, I will say 
in the in the situation with Elijah uh, Elijah McClain, could it have been that he was afraid to continue to walk? Because you know, or, or continue, or could it have been that he was afraid to walk off after being encountered? Because you know what I hear from young African American men is that I'm afraid to run, I'm afraid to walk off, I'm afraid to drive off when I when I've been stopped. So, you know, it 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 man, it's 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 sad. This was a this was a preventable death. Uh, could have been handled so much differently. And then what you'll hear is people, well, you're armchair quarterback, and you just well, thirty some years law enforcement. Subject matter expert in these areas know how to talk to people, know that there's there was a different way to approach this young man, mm-hmm. which probably could have resulted in um, probably could have resulted in this young man being at home and being alive today. I think that that that's the key. I think that has a lot of people concerned. What had he done so bad that he yeah. had to end up dead? What had he done so bad just walking home? You can't. You can't wash that out of the vision and the minds of people, the, yeah. a, a lot of people. What had he done so bad? And so I think that that's the big question. And I'm sure that's the question being asked in that trial. Yeah. Well, Keith, we got uh, uh, quite a few comments in the chat. And I want to get to one. Uh, uh, Ask the question is, why is integrity different between a white and black man why is integrity different between a white and black man doing the same crime? You know, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can generalize that. I don't think you can say that that's a, um, I don't think you can sit down and say, well, that's what's happening all over. I get it. Uh, based on what we're seeing and hearing, it seems that way. Um, but I will tell you that it seems that way just based on everything. And, and, and that's a very difficult question to answer. I can sit here and tell you all day that's not the case. But then when you see an incident right. like Elijah McClain, you see an incident like the other um, young uh, adults. Let's, let's just say if, there, if, if Elijah McClain was a white kid, white 23-year-old walking home, would that white 23-year-old Elijah McClain still be alive today? Don't know. Don't know. And I'm going to step out and I'm going to say this. We can, we can speculate. Yes, we can speculate. No, don't know. Well, and I'm going to step out. I'm going to say this, Keith. He probably, that that white 23-year-old, Elijah McClain, would be alive today. I, I can't. I can't. I know you. I, I know you. You can't. No, I, I won't. Again, I think some people will probably, to me, Keith, it's, it's just about <clears throat> these officers Everything goes back to, let's just say this, how, the, the rate of black men, young black men being killed by the police is much higher than the rate of young white men being killed by the police doing the exact same thing. You know, Virg, I, 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 I understand that. And one of the things that I do uh, want to say is that those are things you have to do the research on because I know what it looks like. And, and, and I'm one, I'll, you know, I'm very straightforward. I'll tell you, yeah, I believe this happened because of race. I believe this happened because of gender. I believe this happened because of, we've had that discussion. Yeah. Don't, I can't say that if yeah. he would have been a young white male, that would have happened. I, I can't, I can't say that. Uh, I, you know, I can't say 
that this is not happening to whites um, and maybe not up to the level of, of, of death. I can't say that. What I can say is that we continue to see these incidents involving young black men, young black females, based on what we're hearing and seeing on the media and what we're seeing. So I can say that I understand there being that concern that this is occurring, but I cannot, I cannot definitely a hundred percent say that this is not happening to certain whites. I can, cause, cause I've worked with officers who worked in certain areas who, who refer to whites as, 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 as um, very, very vulgar names. And they mm-hmm. basically say, you know, uh, what's I mean, because they lived in a in a in a in a trailer. So we're going to because they live in a trailer. They're doing meth. So I, I yeah. know that occurred. Yeah. I, yeah, I know that occurred. Home and, and being murdered. I know that's what. Well, I get it. I get it. I, and and I'm. And I, I, I think and in I, the black community is going to say, well, hey, listen, if a white guy, is, if a white kid is walking down the street, the chances of him being murdered by the police is very, very low. But the chances of a black man walking down the street and being murdered by the kid is pretty. The percentage is pretty high because the data shows that. I can't argue with you on that. I can't argue. (laughs) And the reason I'm saying we have to be careful saying that because I'm because basically what we're saying is, is that we that if he had been white, he would this one. You can't say that. Well, Keith, and I think some people, again, I think that's the conversation in the black community is that people are are saying, listen. But but when you see it over and over again, these type of scenarios, Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, Mr. Castile, the gentleman in in, uh, Walter Scott, um, when you see this, absolutely. And and, and is it happening? Absolutely. Both in Jane, both in John. Absolutely. It's happening. Absolutely. But, but, like I said, I can't say um, there are some incidents that I say uh, uh, Chauvin, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. The situation. And, 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 you know, Keith, and this was well before George Floyd. Well Amar before. Armstrong. Amar Armstrong. Yeah. Amar Arbery. Amar Arbery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think this was one situation where uh, – somebody's emotional intelligence and just not utilizing common sense rose to that level. Could you say that maybe they would have approached him different? That's a possibility, but we don't know. And I, and, 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 and I'm not, I can't say that uh, without knowing a person's heart, soul, maybe even knowing what this person's history is. Well, I think you know, things, Keith, and I've said yeah. this before is that there's a lot of cops there, well, I know you're going to say not a lot. I'm going to use the, the, this. There are some cops who don't have any souls, brother. They ain't got a soul in their body, but the soul that they have for themselves and somebody but, who looked like them. But that's black and white. And there's a lot of black cops who don't have souls. So listen, and we listen, call man. and we call them out on you and the law podcast. We do, as well. we do. But what I'm saying is, let's let's make sure we're saying that that is that it's 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 black and white cops. You know that that I know that have no soul, and they brag about it. They think it's funny. So that's all. That's all I'm saying, man. I just I know we sometimes we have to be careful in saying that 
this wouldn't happen if this we don't we don't know possibly but we don't know probably we don't have we don't have we don't know in a probable way we know possibly and we yeah. would hope that that's not the case and then for yeah. me to say that never happens that would just be that that's not fair for me to say that never happens yeah but in this situation i think it was just bad bad policing bad bad just not using common sense and getting in so far that you didn't know when to um step back yeah well keith you know this there's several other there's one officer was was found guilty guilty one officer was acquitted uh they're all being tried separately the the police officer being tried separately from the paramedics so uh there are are many others to to follow uh to see how they're going to be held accountable for the murder of elijah mcclain Man, we definitely went over our, our normal time because we've had so many engaging people in the chat room. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. If we didn't get to all of your, your comments in the chat, we definitely thank you. Uh, and, you know, man, this 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 is one of those topics that, that we may have to just come back in and, and, and finish up because we've had s- such of engagement with the listeners on this here topic. And so... Uh, uh, we might have to have a part two. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Um, yeah. as, as the listeners and the viewers can say, sometimes we agree to disagree. Uh, you know, we might be, we might think similar in some areas and, and I'm the first one to just say, Hey, this I'll call an orange and orange and apple and apple. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, that's, uh, that's what we do here. But, yeah. um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Yeah. Oh watching. yeah, Definitely. Well, hey, uh, we want to, again, thank everybody for tuning in to You and the Law podcast. And if you missed any parts of this this podcast, go to our Facebook page and uh, listen to the uh, rebroadcast. You can also uh, find this uh, rebroadcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Amazon. Wherever you listen to podcasting, you will find You and the Law podcast and tune in. For uh, next Thursday for another informative topic, because who knows, we might pick up where we left off tonight and finish this conversation. Uh, but it, if you do not follow, this is very important, T Swag. If you do not follow you and the Law Podcast, go to our go to our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, share our Facebook page with your friends. Let we, we're trying to get up over 500 followers. So help us get to that and share this with your family and friends. And uh, because we just keep it real. We talk about very informative topics that that uh, mean something to the community. And uh, and we just thank all of those who uh, continue to follow us every every Thursday as we stream live on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel uh as well so so brother it's 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 been it's been real and yet i want to shout out to all the east texas state lions man it's coming up homecoming oh yeah homecoming homecoming. alumni we coming in strong all the old school phi beta sigma zeta phi beta we're coming in strong man we we are we, we we're there we're in the house yeah well well hey man uh enjoy homecoming this weekend and uh we will get together Again, next Thursday at 6 p.m. as we stream live on Facebook Live with another informative topic 
on you and the Law Podcast Show. Go Lions. Have a good night. All right.